If you still have your Bibles open, if you could keep them at Romans chapter 1. I'm not going to read the full 17 verses again. I'm just going to read verses 16 and 17 so they're fresh in your mind. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. I can't help but when reading those words here of Paul's enthusiasm when he penned these words, such a powerful statement from the Apostle Paul regarding the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we are going to be looking at those two verses from chapter 1. These two verses I'm sure that when they are read, they, they, we are, which we are all familiar with, there are words that when we read them we say, Amen, Hallelujah, thanks be to God. I trust I am with people today who are familiar with the gospel of our Lord and Saviour. I'm sure that if I went round the room, uh, we would all have testimony of how powerful this gospel is as we have seen the work which it has impacted us in our own life. We would say with the Apostle Paul that it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm also sure that me and you here today would proclaim to be gospel men and women, evangelical in its true and proper sense. We, like Paul, would claim that we also are not ashamed of it. But even with all of our enthusiasm and our love for this glorious gospel, I do believe that even we can start to lose grasp on how central the gospel is. We as Christians would never admit it, yet if we are honest with ourselves, we at times can become cold to the truths which are contained within it. And brethren, I strongly believe that that should never be as we as believers, remember this, we as believers need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ every single day of our walk with God. The gospel, my brethren, is not just for the unbeliever. It is for the unbeliever. But the gospel of Christ is just as much for you and me here this morning. You may be asking, well, why is that? Well, if you're in Christ today, and you may have fallen into sin today or yesterday, my dear friend, you need the gospel. Not to get re-saved, but we as believers need to be reminded day in and day out of the glorious hope of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us on, that cr on the cross at Calvary. We must regularly hear that Christ suffered once for sins, for the just and the unjust. That we are now robed in his righteousness, covered in his blood, which is revealed from faith to faith. On the other hand, you may, you may be thinking, well, I've, I've not sinned in a while and I'm progressing quite well in sanctification. And I'm not here to argue with you about that. You may be. But I say... Even in those times where we are walking with the Lord most strongly, we can start to become prideful in our walk. 
And we need to think again. And we need to be reminded that there is non-righteous. No, not one. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We again need to be humbled by the cross of Christ. And remember that him again. Yes, nothing in my hands I bring. And it's simply, simply to the cross I cling. Actually, I am naked and I come to him for dress. We also need to realise that this gospel, not does it only save us, which it does from the wrath to come, but the same gospel, the same gospel will sanctify us from the power of sin. And the same gospel eventually will save us from the very presence of sin in glorification. We, brethren, need this truth every single day of our life. Every day we need the balm of Gilead. This is why we as evangelical men and women should be lamenting at the state of the contemporary church this morning. We are living in a day when the saving gospel of Jesus Christ is being turned into nothing more than a ticket to heaven. No more than a decision that has no effect on the rest of a person. You go out there, my friends, many upon many will claim to be saved who are living just like the world. They're living exactly the same way they were when they professed Christ 10 years down the road. And they say, I'm a Christian because I go to a church on Sunday. They have no idea, brethren, that the true gospel of Jesus Christ is a call to die to self. This gospel is a powerful work of the third person of the Blessed Trinity regenerating a man. To such a degree that he starts to see the things of sin that he loved, that he took delight in, and starts to hate them because his God hates them. And starts to love the things that he thought were boring and of no value. And starts to love them and have holy affections for those things. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we all know the best passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed, and behold, new things have come. Last summer, I was in an open-air preaching tour in, uh, with some brothers from different churches rounding about our area. What surprised us the most was the amount of people who called themselves Christians, but were antagonistic to the gospel which we were preaching They were saying stuff like it was unloving. They were telling people about sin and that they needed to turn from it to Christ. They said we just need to tell people that God loves them. And and even one man who went to that church in that area said we worship the same God as the Muslims. He also believed that it was okay for Christians like you and I to embrace homosexual relations. Also, not too long ago, me and my wife went to Liverpool Cathedral for a day trip. We like to see those old buildings and and like to think of the days when the gospel was booming forth from these places. And yes, we do like the, the architecture as well, but often we leave feeling disappointed. We were listening to one of the Church of England's readers. Uh, They have qualifications to be a reader, I I believe. And he was praying these wonderful, lovely prayers in the church. And me and my wife here today went to go and see this man and spoke to him after. And we we asked him something like, what do you think of the state of the world today? And this was the man's answer, who has just been reading prayers from a sheet. Listen to this, brethren. He said this. If... 
if there is a God, if there is a God, then he should be doing more to help us. He also said, I do believe there is. That he should be doing more to help us. Brethren, this man has just been praying lofty prayers in a big cathedral. These people are in our church buildings in our nation. Could you imagine a man or a woman who falling under the conviction of sin, they know nowhere else to go, they run to the nearest church, which they think the Church of England, the established church, and they hear that. When we hear things like this, brethren, it makes us realise what Jesus says isn't too far from the truth. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name, we've cast out demons in your name, we've done many wonders in your name. I wonder what his response will be. Lord, Lord, I used to say prayers every couple of hours in your cathedral. Lord, Lord, I used to dress in robes. Lord, Lord... My brethren, they have believed a false gospel, a false view of God, and at the same time are calling Jesus Christ Lord. Brethren, we need to be defenders of the true gospel, which Paul says here, in his word, is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who will believe. Satan has tried through the ages to distort this message. We need in this day to be defenders of it. Just as men have gone before us, such as Luther and Calvin, those men we tip our hats to. And we need to be defenders of this glorious truth. Which leads me to my first point this morning, if you are taking notes. My first point is this. We are not to be ashamed. I'll repeat that. We are not to be ashamed. We read in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Paul here is making a declaration that he himself is unequivocally not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, what he's really saying here is this, I boast in this gospel. We read in a statement when we read our Bible reading in verse, in verse 1 in the same chapter, in his introduction, that he himself, Paul, was called to be an apostle and he has been separated to this gospel. The great apostle is making it clear that this is a work of God that he personally has been separated to and his life's mission is to proclaim it to the world. We also know that the Apostle Paul did not learn this gospel from man, nor was it taught him. But we know from the chapter 1 of Galatians in verse 12 that it was revealed to him directly by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So our blessed Lord himself entrusted this work to the Apostle Paul. But that is not why Paul is not ashamed of it. It's not an arrogance that he has been chosen above another but he is not ashamed of this gospel, which has been revealed to him. Why? Because within this gospel, it is the very power of God to salvation to everyone who will believe. 
He's saying, I am not ashamed of this. Actually, I rejoice in it because this is God's gospel, not man's. God has now revealed to us the way which leads to life, not only for the Jew now, not only for the Jew, but also for the Greek, the Gentile, you and me here this morning. Sinful men and women now have a remedy that will present them faultless before the throne of grace. And Paul is saying, this message I will not be ashamed of. Not even in the slightest. Even if it causes me to have my life taken from me, I will not be ashamed of it. So in 2023, we must ask ourselves here today. Are we... In 2023, ashamed of the gospel. We may be saying to ourselves, of course not. We're in the house of God listening to you proclaim these truths this morning. We are not ashamed of the gospel. But brethren, if we, and I include myself in this, if we are honest with ourselves and have a little bit of self-examination, we would see that in comparison to this great apostle in the day that we live, we could be said that we may be ashamed of it. You see, brethren, we're living in a day that if we are honest, we do not see a great deal of persecution proclaiming what we believe. We may have people laugh at us, we may have people scorn at us and shun us, but in retrospect, what men and women have had to deal with throughout the past, throughout the ages, we have very little to complain about. I was in Oxford not too long ago as well with my, with my wife again, and we stood where Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer and Thomas Cramer were burned at the stake for holding fast to biblical truth, which we today hold dear. These men denied the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and held to the doctrines that you and I do today, that a man is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, all for the glory of God alone. And they were burnt for that. These men were not ashamed of the gospel. And I ask again, what about me me and you here this morning. You see, regardless, regardless of what you think of the last few years regarding COVID, and I'm not going to even get into that, that, that I'm not even going to get into it as a subject. I'm not talking about how people handled it. I'm not talking about how people opened or closed. But the church of Jesus Christ had a great opportunity to say to people out there who were terrified of death, there is good news. There is a God who created you. You are not just a piece of bacteria that has evolved over time. You out there who are terrified, you have a creator. You have a creator. And yes, we ought to be afraid of him. Why? Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we've sinned against him. But God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him. But brethren, what did the church do in the main? I'm talking worldwide, from what I saw anyway. Brethren, I, 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 I say this with trembling in my heart. We looked no different from what the, the world was doing. If we're honest, we didn't look any different to the world outside us. We were also afraid. Brethren, that also, my fr I'm afraid, is being ashamed of the gospel. 
Take COVID out of the picture. Take it out. How many of our neighbours, and I'm asking this myself, know that we as individuals are Christians and followers of Christ? Do we actively try and speak to our fellow man about the saving gospel of Christ? And as I said, please hear me, I'm talking of the man in the pulpit as well. And if we are not doing that, that is being ashamed of the gospel. We also see agendas out there robbing the name gospel and placing the name gospel to it such as the social justice movement, the, 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 all the other things that say gospel on there, which aren't really the gospel. And if we know men and women who are actively participating in that and we say nothing, listen, we are being ashamed of the gospel. I heard a sermon not too long ago from Vody Balcom. He said something along these lines. We live in the most privileged time in history. We have ministers who have professional qualifications. We have university, universities dedicated to good and sound theology. And he said this. Yet it seems that it is our generation that are ashamed of the gospel. Brethren, this ought to make us weep. We are living in a day where churches who still hold to biblical truth like yourselves are becoming the minority. And many upon many churches who are springing up, preaching a false gospel. Many today are going into churches thinking they have peace with God but are still enmity with him. It is in our day that we, the true church, need to be stand and countered in the day that we live. We need to be like Jude tells us, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who have turned the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, we must not think because we are of a certain age or, or have less education than someone that we cannot do anything. If the gospel stood in the power of man, we would have every right to think that. But even though our weapons of warfare are few, they are mighty unto God. They are mighty unto God. This is what the apostle is telling us, is it not? He's not ashamed of it because it's God's power unto salvation. I say this with much sadness in my heart, but I truly do believe the true church has lost, who have not bowed the knee, have lost confidence in the good news of Jesus Christ. Why, you may say? Well, let's be honest, the, twindling, the dwindling church members, the brethren who have left and even apostatized, has left us all feeling dejected. And at times, at times, even doubt if God will ever revive this nation again. What I have to say about that is this. I am not God. I am not God. And revival is a sovereign act of God that you and I cannot manipulate whatsoever. Not like the Phineites. We cannot manipulate revival. God is, God's revival is sovereign act of his. But what does it say? What does it say? God has not commanded you and I 
to wait for revival. God commands you and I to go. Go into the earth and preach the gospel to all creation. And listen, my friends, to the promise of Jesus Christ. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they will follow me. Speak. Hear, let them hear the gospel. Brethren, why are you and I here? Is it because we were more intelligent than our lost family members? Is it because we're more intelligent than the people out there? No, no. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, while we were yet still dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace have you been saved. We heard the gospel of God and his recreating power regenerated us, made us see our need for our saviour. Let me ask you this, brethren. Do you believe there are people out there, outside your walls, outside what, uh, Nottingham where we live, walls? Do you believe there are people there who Jesus died for and they just don't know it yet? People who can't say that, thank you for the cross, my friend. Listen, brothers, sisters, I am here today and I stand with you and I believe in the doctrines of grace. I believe that God has his elect people who will be saved. I believe that nobody can come to Jesus unless that person is first drawn by the, by the Spirit. And then he is regenerated and sees his need of a saviour. I believe that. I 100% believe that with you. No doubt about it. And I'll die for those truths. But remember what our Lord said in Acts 18 to the Apostle Paul. He said, he said to him in a night vision, he said to the Apostle Paul, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you. Why? For I have many people in this city. He doesn't say don't do anything. He says, speak. Go tell of me. Tell them now that I command men and women everywhere to repent. This is why Paul is saying he's not ashamed of it. Because it is the God, it is God who is at work. God who starts. God who is the one doing the work. We are but messengers of his. The work that he starts, he will finish. That's the good news, my friend. That's why when we preach the gospel, whether that be in the open air or whether that be to our neighbours or whether that be to our friends at work, we know that whatever we say, God's word shall not return void because it's God who works in this glorious gospel. And that's why we should not be ashamed of it. But brethren, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings who bring tidings of good things we my brethren should not be ashamed of it which leads me to my next point which leads me to my next point and if you're taking notes my next heading is this righteousness of god is revealed righteousness of god is revealed so now we have seen why paul is not ashamed of this gospel in the next verse we will see what is contained in it we read in verse 17 
For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If we know anything of, of, uh, of the history of the Reformation, these are the words that open the eyes of the great reformer Martin Luther. You see, the gospel which we proclaim does not just deal with the need for the forgiveness of sins, which we will look at this evening. We are looking at that this evening, the forgiveness of sin. I say, thank God it does deal with the forgiveness of sin. We need forgiveness of sin. But God's gospel deals with both problems that we face, all of a man's problem. So we all must be clear that the gospel, brethren, when it is proclaimed, is primarily not about you or me. God is glorifying himself through the salvation of a people which he has foreordained for himself. The gospel is about God and his glory. We're here in the contemporary church of God, do we not? That, that Yes, we need our sins forgiven, but God's gospel is there to make us happy and successful. Yes, we need our sins forgiven, but what we also need is those worldly desires fulfilling don't we see that every time we turn on the God channel or, or anything along those lines, if we see those things? Listen, brethren, yes, we need our sins forgiving, but we need something just as important. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it is proclaimed rightly, always must start with God himself. So when we hear the gospel proclaimed correctly, we see that God is not like you and me. God is is holy God is holy he is thrice holy the seraphim proclaim from the throne holy 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 is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory God is perfectly holy and completely separate from sin and cannot have anything to do with it the gospel must always start there with God himself and then we also realize that God is a God of righteousness who is just and perfect in all his ways he isn't like you and I who can see the atrocities on the tv and just wink at them Habakkuk says you are of pure eyes to behold evil and cannot look upon wickedness so how can this God how can this thrice holy God, who is completely righteous, look with favour upon us who are so unholy and so unrighteous? Here's the simple answer. He can't. He can't. You may be saying, what do you mean, Nick? I've read my Bible. It tells me that he is the great forgiver of sins. And I say, Amen. He's the great forgiver of iniquities. But I want to be as blunt as this. If God just forgave you your sins, you would... You, sorry, let me just say that again. If God was to just forgive you of your sins, you still could not stand in his presence. What do you mean, you may ask? You would just... You, would, what, you may say, what do you mean by that, Nick? Because if God just forgave you of your sins, you would be sinless. And just that. You would be sinless, but you here today would not be righteous. For you and me to stand in the very presence of God, 
Yes, we must be sinless, but we also must be righteous as he is perfect. Remember what Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's why over and over again we hear things in the Psalms such as, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them and delivers them out of their troubles. Or in Proverbs 15, 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So the question is, how on earth can you and I be declared righteous even if our sins are forgiven, which they are? We in this life still continue to fall into sin one day and the next day. And there isn't a day that goes by that you and I keep God's law perfectly. And this, my friend, is why Paul is saying in this gospel, I am not ashamed of it because within it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. This, my brethren, is the beautiful doctrine of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, when we think of the gospel, we often just think of the forgiveness of sins. But we forget what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 5, where he said, Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to, death, reconciled to God through his death, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus Christ's life. The Lord Jesus paid for our sins. Absolutely he did. He, but he also lived a perfect, righteous life on our behalf. Jesus fulfilled the law of God perfectly. He never sinned once. And remember, as he was about to be baptized, he said, John the Baptist said, Surely you should, be me baptize, you should be baptizing me. But Christ said, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. He fulfilled the law of God. Every jot and every tittle in his active obedience. Jesus Christ lived for you, saint. He lived for you, saint, just as much as he died on your behalf. So when a man puts his faith in the Lord Jesus, not only is all his sins forgiven... But his perfect righteousness, the beautiful obedience of Christ, is therefore imputed to you here when you have faith in him. And then you can see the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ look at you this, this morning as we hear the songs of Solomon. And the Lord Jesus can say to you, you are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. And I want to say this to you today. If you are in Christ, there is not one spot on you. This is the most wonderful thing about this righteousness as well, my friends. It will forever be a perfect righteousness. There is nothing that you and I can do to spoil the work that Jesus Christ has achieved. Now, I must be careful. I must be careful because the unconverted person will use this as a license to sin. But if you are in Christ here today, this truth may just set you free to serve Christ in such a way that you will hate sin more and want to do his will more. Even though we are in Christ, brethren, we must be honest, we sin daily. Very much to our disgust, we fail our saviour. 
If I went round the room, I'm sure there are many things that you have all done in your Christian life that you wish you had never done. Maybe that thing now is coming to the forefront of your mind and it still bothers you. Maybe Satan likes to remind you of this most weeks and you may even start to listen to him and think that your profession is in vain. This is the wonderful thing about this righteousness that Christ purchased. On that cross, he took every single one of your sins. He took all your past sins. He took all your present sins. He took all your future sins. He took the whole sin debt and it was laid upon him. And he died and took the wrath which we will look at this evening. So when you sin, when you sin... That sin has already been paid for. So the righteous, so that is why the righteousness closes. That sin has already been paid for. Remember those most beautiful words in Romans 4. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed is the man whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Why will he not impute sin? Because there is nothing to impute. Because Christ has paid for it in full. It was all done at Calvary. It is finished. Absolutely finished. And the righteousness clothes you. And we can say with Augustus, Augustus Top Lady. The terrors of law and God with me can have nothing to do. Why? Because my saviour, my saviour's obedience and blood hide all, all my transgressions from view. Brethren, this gospel is absolutely glorious. Taking a man and a woman dead in trespasses and sins. And let me say this, the life rope wasn't laid out and, it, and, waiting, and God's waiting for someone to grab on. No. No, the great Yahweh who is enthroned dived from heaven to earth and picked you up and put, if it was, his mouth around yours and breathed life into you, caused you to be alive, took your sins, paid for them, clothed you in his righteousness. Glorious gospel. Therefore, on that day when you pass from this life unto glory or he returns, he will say these words, and yes, that sin may be in your mind right now that you did and you regret it and you hate it. But he'll say these words. Come, good and faithful servant. Come, you good and faithful servant. There is no spot on you. Why? Because they were in the tomb where Christ died and you were raised with him and you'll be glorified with him and you'll reign with him. Those who are in Christ, I say this. You are no more justified today than the day that you will be in heaven. You will be justified the same. Yes, we'll be more sanctified. We'll be glorified. We'll be perfectly glorified in glory. Perfectly sanctified there. But my friends, today, if you are in Christ Jesus, your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. And that should set you free. Why? Because of yourself? No. Because it's God's glorious gospel that has set you free in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And my challenge to you today is this 
This gospel is not just for the Apostle Paul to proclaim. It's not just for them great men of old to proclaim. It's not just for those men who we tip our hats at to proclaim. It is for you here today to proclaim. I'm not talking just about open air ministry. I'm talking about your family members, your friends, your neighbours. You, my friends, today hold the only hope that this dying world has. Because if they die outside of Christ, I know this is not spoke of in the contemporary church, but I will speak of it today. They will fall into the very torments of hell for all eternity. All eternity. And we here today have the golden, have the diamond of Christ crucified. Let us proclaim this to the world. For this gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Let us be bold for Christ in our day and stand on his word and say, yes, we have sinned, but God has given us a saviour in his son. Blessed be God, my friends. And I challenge you with that, I challenge you with that as I finish. Amen.